Before we get started today, I would like to say thank you to my most recent patron, uh, Jesse Davies. Thank you for becoming a patron and supporting the show. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, also, when I recorded part of this episode, there was a thunderstorm. And uh, so you're going to hear like a little bit of like, you know, thunder and rain in the background. And I, I was like, you know what? I think it adds great atmosphere. So I did not edit it out. Um, so without further ado. Welcome to Light and Shadow, a podcast about the complex themes presented in the horror genre. I'm your host, Nicole, and it's time to share another dark tale. Before the beginning, after the great war between heaven and hell, God created the earth and gave dominion over it to the crafty ape he called man. And to each generation was born a creature of light and a creature of darkness. And great armies would clash by night in the ancient war between good and evil. There was magic then, nobility, and unimaginable cruelty. And so it was, until the day that a false sun exploded over Trinity, and man forever traded away wonder for reason. The circus, as we think of it today, has been around since the late 1770s. Uh, these temporary attractions served as a distraction from the stark repetition of everyday life in rural America. Um, especially during Depression era, people definitely did not have money to go on vacation. They barely had the money to feed their families. And so when these traveling carnivals would come through, it was a great way for the whole family to go see things they've never seen, eat treats, and just forget about all the stresses of their everyday life for an evening. And so people would save up their money and attend the yearly carnival or circus with all the enthusiasm and wonder that we now reserve for a yearly vacation. And even as a child in the late 80s and early 90s, I remember these events well. And uh, they may have had different names, uh, more common names, like I grew up going to the Arkansas-Oklahoma State Fair. Um, I also grew up going to the East Texas Poultry Festival. But these, even though they're modern and they're a little different, they still had all the markings and fanfare of the old carnivals. And so I think the fond memories of childhood are part of what give these places a far-off sense of magical nostalgia. And like much of childhood, the vagueness of these memories cause them to be a little bit like dreams and sometimes like nightmares. The powerful nostalgia, odd history, and general mystery of these places dedicated to pleasure has inspired many books and films that depict what I like to call the Dark Carnival. There are so many good interpretations of this theme in film, television, and print. 
So I'm going to give you guys just kind of a rundown list of all the things that I came across in my research. Um, I'm not going to be able to talk about all of it today, but here are some things that you should check out if you're interested in this dark carnival concept. You've got The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Freaks, Carnival of Souls, even Disney's Pinocchio, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, The Fun House, Waxwork, Carnival, American Horror Story Freak Show, The Devil's Carnival, and Escape from Tomorrow. And those span like early, early filmmaking, like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari was in the 30s, I think. It's a German movie. All the way up to The Devil's Carnival, which came out in like 2013. So that list really spans pretty much all of filmmaking. There are three key concepts of the carnival, and specifically the dark carnival, that I think make this particular little subgenre really fascinating, and that's what I'm going to focus on today. Um, those three concepts are magic, mystery, and the macabre. And when put together, these three elements really create the quintessential dark carnival. So first, let's talk a little bit about the magic. Um, the magic is something that I think we're all pretty familiar with. We've all been to a circus, a carnival, a theme park. You know, you get excited. You walk through the doors. You walk through the gates. It's just, you know, it's going to be a good day. You want to ride the rides. You want to eat the food. You want to see all the things. That is the magic, especially if you have ever been to a theme park like Disney that's really big and really well put together. You know what the magic is. Um, it's exciting. It puts you in an environment outside of the norm. Um, you experience feelings. You see things. You see people that just aren't common in everyday life. And that is the magic. And I think every dark carnival story does a good job of presenting that magic. It kind of blurs the line between the natural and the supernatural, the believable and the unbelievable. But we show up to these places suspending our disbelief. We want to believe. We want to see something outside the ordinary. And so we are, we're prepared for that. And a few really good examples of the magic is uh, my probably my favorite dark carnival movie. I'll just tell you right off the bat, is Something Wicked This Way Comes. It was uh, based on a novel written by Ray Bradbury, classic novel. Uh, the novel is actually a little scarier than the, the movie, but uh, the movie was created during the dark Disney period. They had a time in the 80s when they were experimenting with some like darker themes and movies that were a little more scary. Uh, they wanted to sort of grow up with their audience, and so they did um, some movies kind of aimed at older kids and preteens, and this was one of those. Um, but the magic in Something This Way Comes uh, shows up in mainly in uh, the people at the carnival, namely the tattooed man. Well, he's the tattooed man in the novel. In the movie, he's Mr. Dark, and you don't really see his tattoos. In the novel, um, his whole body is covered in tattoos, and they kind of change depending upon who's looking at them. Um, but the kids are, you know, instantly entranced. This carnival shows up in the middle of the night on a train um, and, you know, they can't wait to go to the carnival the next day. And then, you know, as they're sort of watching the people from the carnival, they can tell something's wrong. 
And so Something Wicked This Way Comes has that magic because, you know, the main characters are two boys. Uh, So you're with them at the carnival and you are excited about the carnival coming and them setting up the tents and the rides and, you know, you can't wait to to go to the carnival with your best friend. Uh, It very quickly becomes apparent that this is not your regular carnival, but the setup is great. Another movie that's kind of an odd selection um, to talk about the magic is something you have probably never seen on another horror list or heard another horror podcast, and that is Pinocchio. And I'm talking about Disney's Pinocchio. Um, the element of magic in Pinocchio is really the scene when they go to Pleasure Island. And Pleasure Island is the place that uh, Pinocchio's, like, bad influence friends, they take him to Pleasure Island. And it's a place with, like, no rules. You know, there are no parents telling you what you can and can't do, what you can and can't eat, what you can and can't ride. Um, And so they just – they indulge in all these treats without parents telling them what to do. Uh, So I think that's another – sort of rite of passage with a carnival. It may be the f- one of the first places you ever go where you're kind of unsupervised with your friends because if it's anything, if you have an experience like I've had, you know, you go to the carnival with your parents, but then like they'll, you know, go do whatever and you'll meet your friends there and they'll say, oh, you know, you can go off and do this. Just meet us here back here at this time. So um, I think it's one of those first places that we get to test the boundaries and that's very apparent uh, in Pinocchio. You know, he goes off with his friends and he has to make decisions about what am I going to do? What am I going to eat? What am I going to see? What am I going to not see? And again, as in uh, most of the movies we're going to talk about, very quickly becomes apparent that there is something a little less fun going on. The next piece of media that I want to talk about that introduces this magic concept is a TV show, actually, from HBO from the early 2000s called Carnival. And I'm going to be talking about Carnival a lot in this episode. Uh, But one line in particular, well, okay, so our protagonist gets to the Carnival. Uh, He joins up with the Carnival after his mom dies um, in the Dust Bowl in Oklahoma. And he wakes up the next day, and it's just kind of like chaos like he doesn't understand when he's sort of seeing like he wakes up and he's walking around and there are Siamese twins and the tattooed man and the you know all of the all the different freaks and all the different performers and the bearded lady and he's just kind of like whoa like what world am I in um and you know we're along with him just sort of like experiencing just the spectacle of what it's like to be surrounded by all of these uh carnival circus performers but I think it's in the first or second episode he's talking to uh, Sophie, who's another main character. She's um, a tarot reader, um, but she's talking about her life in the carnival. And she says, you know, we come in, we come, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, we come into these towns. These people are just living their lives. They're asleep and we wake them up. And I thought, oh, how perfect is that for what it is to to be in a in a magical place like a carnival? It really does. It wakes you up, you know, and uh, prepares you for horror in this case. <laughs> so moving on from the magic, which is largely harmless and beautiful and fun. Uh, We're going to move into mystery. And I like to describe the mystery of the carnival as 
We know there's something going on behind the curtain, but we don't necessarily want to know exactly what it is. The mystery element, I think, is it's crucial to any, you know, kind of spectacle, uh, even movies that we love. We want a little bit of mystery in there. It's intriguing. It's suspenseful. It, uh, it keeps us wanting to know more and to, you know, really be invested in the story. So I have three films I want to talk about that I think really handle the mystery of the Dark Carnival well. Uh, one of those is Freaks. And Freaks is a classic horror film by any regard. And it's probably the, well, like I say, Something Wicked This Way Comes is my favorite Dark Carnival movie. But Freaks is probably the one that, like, is the academic answer. Like, you got to see Freaks if you're a horror fan, if you like this subgenre, you got to see Freaks. But I think part of the mystery in Freaks is that it really humanizes them. And it came out in like 1931, 32, in a time when, you know, people would view these freak show performers as just spectacle and not really think about them like real people. And so the movie Freaks gives us a peek behind that curtain into how they really have to live their lives every day and how they're really more like you and I than we might think. Another film that presents mystery in a weirder way <laughs> is a strange, strange film called Escape from Tomorrow. And Escape from Tomorrow is a film that was uh, illegally shot at Disney World. Um, I've talked about it a little bit before. Google it if you want to know more. But it's fascinating because of that alone. Production value is a little low because, again, they had to sneak cameras in. Um so it kind of feels like that. But that also adds to just sort of the off-kilter feel of the movie. Um, and we know that something is wrong. Uh, the protagonist, he gets a phone call telling him that he's been fired, like, right at the beginning of his vacation. And right after that, like, just, like, bad things start to happen, like, weird things start to happen. Um, and so here he is at Disney World with his family. It's a place, as I've already said, you know, you should be at your happiest. Everything should be great and shiny and you're not worried about the world. You're just on vacation. You're having a great time at Disney World. But he's seeing really strange, weird things. And so we are wondering, the mystery in this movie is like, is he crazy? And we're just, we're seeing everything through his eyes. Or are there really like dark malevolent forces at Disney World? <laughs> and you kind of oscillate between the two. Uh, and and that's that's really kind of fun. And um, spoiler alert, like, I don't think you really ever get an answer to that, which, of course, is, is my favorite. It really leaves it open to interpretation. And the third one I want to talk about in this mystery category is a movie from the 80s called Waxwork. Uh, I loved this movie when I was a kid. And I was scared of this movie when I was a kid. And then I watched it again as an adult. And I was like, oh, this is like straight up goofy. Like, I'm surprised I was ever actually scared by it. Um, but it's a great, great little movie. Um, and I think that Wax Museums, it's not really, a you know, a straight up carnival movie. But I think that Wax Museums generally have the same sort of like pull as carnivals. Um, you know, the wax figures live in that uncanny valley where like we know they aren't real. But we feel like they could like follow us outside the exhibit. Uh, which is what happens to the characters in this movie. <laughs> uh, you know, they're invited to this, um, like, VIP early access viewing of the wax figures. And, like, one by one, they're sucked into the wax displays. 
Um, of course, in the Hall of Horrors. That's that's where this happens. Um, and so it has a lot of that that air of mystery because at first uh, you're not you're not sure like oh. Are these wax figures going to be real? What's going to happen? Our main character is like not sure where his friends are disappearing to. Um, and now this movie is really fun. Like it gets real zany. And if you really like like goofy horror comedy, like watch this and then go watch the Waxworks sequel because it's even goofier. Um, but a lot of fun. Okay. So far we've talked about magic. We've talked about mystery. Magic is fun. Mystery starts to get a little bit creepy. But now we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the macabre. And the macabre in a dark carnival film is where the rubber meets the road and the agenda is exposed. The curtain's pulled back. We get to see what's behind the curtain. We get to find out who's in charge, what's going on, all of the things. And so there are a couple of different ways that the macabre presents itself in dark carnival movies. You have natural and you have supernatural. So first I'll talk about the natural. And I want to go back to Freaks again, revisit Freaks. It takes these monsters. People view these people in Freak shows as monsters, Freaks of Nature. Um, but it takes them and it makes them sympathetic, right? So we're like... Uh, without being too spoilery, there's a, the, he's a little person in the show and one of the like really beautiful, I think she's like a trapeze artist or something, but she's a tall, beautiful, you know, typically, typically beautiful woman. She falls in love with him and they're together. Well, we find out she's just after his money because he's wealthy. And so we sympathize with the freaks and we do not like this normal, beautiful woman. You know, we realize that like, well, she's the monster, uh, which I think at the time was a pretty lofty goal to kind of do that little twist to the audience. And it also kind of blurs the line between good and evil themes because ultimately, spoiler alert, ultimately the freaks chase her down and turn her into like a chicken woman. And they're, they're like chasing her down in the rain. They have weapons and they're chanting like one of us, one of us and how they're going to like make her one of them. So, you know, you feel sorry for them at the same time. They're like chasing this woman down to turn her into some kind of weird creature. And so it, it gives you that blurred line between good and evil, but it doesn't really, it's not like a judgy film, which I feel like a lot of movies from the early days were like very clear about a moral and Freaks is not that way. It kind of leaves you to decide, did the woman deserve this? Did the freaks go too far? Like, who's the monster? Who's not the monster? All of that stuff is is great. And sort of in the same vein is American Horror Story Freak Show, which was heavily influenced by freaks. And again, you get a peek behind the curtain to see how these people live, um, how they're not treated humanely, how they are treated humanely. Um, they get blamed for things they didn't do. Uh, they get, but, but then, but they also are to blame for things. You know, they commit crimes. They, they kill somebody like early in the season. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, so again, it's that sort of like blurring the line where, you know, you like feel sorry for them, but you're, but also, they are to blame for some crimes. 
And also in American Horror Story Freak Show, I mean, straight up, like, serial killer is born. Uh, you've got Twisty the Clown, who, oh, he's such a great character. Um, you see his past and you understand, you sort of understand where he is. But then you're also like, oh, why did you become this horrible serial killer? And then he inspires another person to be a serial killer. It's, I have... You know, a love-hate relationship with American Horror Story. Um, it's got some really beautiful visuals. They cannot carry a story through a season to save their life. That's because they don't finish writing the story before they start shooting, which is a major problem for me. But I'm super glad that it exists. And uh, I was really stoked to see them tackle, you know, the Dark Carnival. And so all of those things are just normal, human-on-human, -human violence, scary stuff. But as I mentioned, there's also a really, really beautiful, complex, supernatural element to the macabre in a dark carnival. And I think, honestly, this is my favorite. I, I love a good supernatural twist in a dark carnival movie. And um, I'm going to kind of go, again, I have three, and I'm going to talk about them sort of in like degrees of severity. So I'm going to start again with Something Wicked This Way Comes, and the sort of crux of Something Wicked This Way Comes is that Mr. Dark and his carnival come to town, and they know what people want. Uh, Mr. Dark can see, like, what your deepest desire is, and he will grant your wishes. He gives people what they want, youth, good health, but it always twists to consume you and to be a negative thing. You know, he never gives someone something and then they go, they get the thing they want and they live to be happily ever after. Like uh, one great example is the teacher. She's, she's really just unattractive and she wants to be beautiful and young. And so he makes her beautiful and young and just seconds after she looks at her beautiful reflection in the mirror, she loses her sight and she can't see herself. Just this, ugh, so mean. And so, you know, everyone that he that he touches, that he helps, uh, ends up worse off in the end than they were in the beginning. This is also a theme that Stephen King explores in Needful Things to great effect. Basically, the devil runs an antique store. So, seek that out. And so, the, the boys that are the main protagonist of this film, you know, they know from the beginning that things aren't right. And so, all along, they've been trying to sort of expose the carnival and expose Mr. Dark. And uh, one of the boys' father, uh, Mr. Dark, you know, offers him youth and long life. And he denies it because he knows that he, he wants to accept it, but he, ultimately he knows that it's not going to work out. Where do you come from? The dust. Where do you go to? The grave. Yes. We are the hungry ones. Your torments call us like dogs in the night. And we do feed. And feed well. And he ends up triumphing in the end. The boys and the dad, you know, end up overcoming Mr. Dark because they turn down his, like, evil temptation. And uh, it's a simple... It's a simple story executed very well. And, I mean, I just... That's the kind of stuff that I just... I just love. So the... The supernatural aspect of the macabre and something wicked this way comes. It's sure it's it's scary and it's dark, but it's a little more 
innocent, let's say. Uh, Mr. Dark, I'm not sure what he is. I think he's just a human man who's, you know, maybe struck some sort of deal with the devil. We, we don't really get to know that. You know, it's a story and it's an idea that is very accessible, I think, to, uh, to people of all ages. Carnival steps it up a little bit. Carnival is a very complicated show. Uh, you can watch it and like know what's going on like plot-wise, but there's definitely something bigger going on. And you may or may not figure out some of that. I recently went to like the Wikipedia page for Carnival, and there is an entire huge giant mythology that I was like, wow, I had no idea this was all going on. But at its core, Carnival is a very, very high-stakes story of good and evil. There's one man in the story who is the child of light, and there's another man in the story who is a child of darkness. And these two are basically not directly opposed to each other, but you're following their two stories and trying to figure out, like, okay, what's going on here? But essentially, it is about the Antichrist, the apocalypse, the end of the world, (laughs) So that steps it up a notch from something wicked this way comes. You know, we're not just talking about an evil man in a carnival. We're talking about like the evil man, the end of humankind as we know it. And there are blatant like magical aspects in carnival. Um, And at first, you know, you're not sure again, kind of what you're seeing, but it becomes apparent pretty quickly that like, yes, there there are magical, supernatural things going on. People really do have powers to see into the future. Uh, people can heal. So I, I love that about Carnival because it it sort of seems like carnivals you know, have that sort of supernatural magic quality and, you know, you have the tarot readers and all of that. But in Carnival, it's, it's real and it's true. But because you have a very clear basically child of dark, child of light, antichrist, end of the world. I mean, the stakes are just, the stakes are just taken just high. So it feels very serious. Um, And unfortunately, Carnival, it ran for two seasons and they uh, canceled it because it was super expensive. And it was kind of before people were willing to invest in really great TV. Um, So at the end of season two, you're kind of left with a a cliffhanger. Um, you You can read how the creator wanted to end it. But uh, you're just kind of left with the super the super high stakes, and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Like, does the world end? We don't know. We don't know. Um, and so those stakes are pretty high. I'm going to take it up a notch um, with a movie that is not super scary and not super serious, um, and that is The Devil's Carnival. And The Devil's Carnival is a rock opera directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman, who did some of the Saw movies. Don't let that like dissuade you. This man is like got mad creativity and a lot of vision. Um, his execution isn't always the best, but I really admire just like what's in his head and what he's been able to do. And so the devil's carnival is a rock opera. So it's essentially like you're watching a musical, um, but it's horror. So they don't shy away from, you know, the evil and the theatrical and, and the horror, but in the devil's carnival, hell is depicted as a carnival. So we've ramped it up in that, like, we're literally in hell and th- at this carnival. <laughs> it's not just an evil man. It's not just the Antichrist and the apocalypse. We are now in hell as a carnival. <laughs> and it's, um, it's, it's beautiful and it's entertaining, but it's also very, very kind of scary at the same time. The devil is, 
he's got this storybook and he's sort of telling us this story kind of throughout it. And um, we're following three people. We watch them die and they wake up and they're at this carnival and they slowly realize, oh, my goodness, I've died and gone to hell and I'm at the devil's carnival. What is this place? Who are you? I'm the excuse you give when you cannot follow the rules. Um, but it's done in a really beautiful way. And um, and we also get to see God at the very beginning as this, like, puppeteer, um, which is – I don't know exactly what that means, but it it's it's just a really cool visual. Um, now, I'm not a huge musical fan, so it's hard for me to, like – I've, I've watched this movie like one and a half times. I need to revisit it. And even though I love the way it looks and I love the concept because I don't love musicals, it's kind of hard for me to sit down and really like get into it. But I feel like with The Devil's Carnival, we've we've kind of come full circle because it's macabre at its top level because it's hell as a carnival. But it's also kind of a playful movie and it has that magic. So it's just kind of this like circle that we experience with Dark Carnival, with the magic and the mystery and the macabre and how they kind of like circle in and feed into each other and you're not exactly sure where you're at at any given time. This episode, it's been a little bit more rambly than usual. Um, I feel like Dark Carnival is just such a huge theme and concept that it's it's kind of difficult to like and there's so many there's so many great resources it's kind of difficult to like nail down um you know just a few simple things because there's so much and so um before i go i want to give you more resources things that you can dig into um there are a few books i recommend you read dr dread's wagon of wonders is a book i read as a child um, I remember it being just so cool and it being so magical, but it's got that little, little dark twist. It's, uh, it's, it's very similar to something Wicked This Way comes, not in plot, but just in like in tone. Stephen King has written a couple of good dark carnival, fair kind of themed movies. Um, Joyland, which takes place at a theme park and, um, because I have worked at the theme park, I read that movie and I was, or I read that book and I was like, well, that's spot on. Also, the book Revival, it's not a super clear path to a carnival story, but it has um, definitely some carnival elements and takes place at uh, one of the fairgrounds. There's parts of it that takes place at one of the fairgrounds I used to go to as a kid. My favorite dark carnival book is it's a series by Jonathan Howard. Um, the first book in the series is called Johan Cabal, The Necromancer. And it's a little creepy, but also really fun. It's about this man who strikes a deal with the devil to get his soul back. And that's all I'm going to say. It's just fun. You need to read it. If you're only going to read one thing from this list, Johan Cabal, The Necromancer. And then there are also some podcast episodes that you can check out um, that are really great. The No Sleep Podcast is um, one of my favorite storytelling podcasts. They do really great work. Uh, the production value is really good, and they've done um, some really cool carnival stories. Um, Uncle Jerry's Family Fun Zone, Christmas with Mr. Strings, which is about an evil puppet, and A Ride That Never Ends. A Ride That Never Ends is basically about a theme park that's very similar to Halloween Horror Nights, so check that out. 
Also on the Creepy podcast, there are a few. Um, one, my favorite one, is Mayhem Mountain, about a roller coaster that goes very wrong. And then also Grad Night at Haunted Mansion, which is fun. Um, and there are also a couple of, well, there are a jillion Disney creepypastas that have sprung up on the internet over the past few years. Uh, my favorite two are Abandoned by Disney and River Country Film. You can listen to both of those um, on the Creepy podcast, um, or you can like you can literally just Google it, and they pop up on uh, on YouTube and such. And there's lots of different versions of those, but the best ones are on Creepy. So to wrap up today, I find myself asking, you know, why do I, why do we as a culture hold such a strange fascination with this particular entertainment culture, circuses, carnivals, theme parks? And in my research, I mean, I found so many movies, books, and stories relating to this topic that just they just span decades of human creativity. Um, I think we're intrigued by it for the same reason we're intrigued by roller coasters. Uh, the theme park and the carnival both give us a safe place to explore a little bit of danger. Um, it's the other side of fun and provides a balance to that experience. So these places create an environment where we can test the boundaries of our fear and we can come out on the other side safely in one piece. So next time you go to the local carnival, don't be afraid to take a stroll on the dark side. After you've ridden the rides and eaten cotton candy with your friends, consider venturing off the beaten path through the strange hall of mirrors and see what's behind the tent flap on the edge of the carnival. Thanks for tuning in. You can find the show on Instagram and Facebook at Light and Shadow Pod. Sign up to become a supporter on Patreon for early access to all episodes and more. Please rate, review, and subscribe to help other people find the show. Until next time, stay spooky.
This episode features special artwork by Sunny Baliette. Find out more about her work in the show notes. <laughs>